Good morning, class. Good morning, Brother Keith. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. We start off uh, every class like that uh, with a confession releasing faith immediately. You don't want to wait till towards the end of the class to start believing that that's happening. <laughs> right? Uh, time is important and, and valuable. So right off the bat, you want to believe this is not a waste of my time and I am not just snoozing through this. I'm getting something. And my spirit's being affected and being built up. And my faith is being fed. And it's growing and becoming stronger. And I'm learning things. And I'm discerning things. And I am learning how to win at every challenge. Hallelujah. To overcome. And the great thing about uh, the Lord, uh, it's not like baseball. Three strikes and you're out. If you didn't get it the first three times, well, uh, he always causes you to try it. You just, you just come back and, and, and bat another 50 times if you want to, till you get it. huh? So thank God he is so faithful. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for the anointing, asking for the utterance, asking for the answers, and we give you the praise and thanks for all the good results. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews 3, if you'd notice again, we've been talking about in our series, we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. Hebrews 3, 7 says, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. He said, verse 10, I was grieved with that generation and I said, they always err in their heart and have not known my ways. God is not who and what every religious group says he is. There are a lot of man-made concepts of God that have nothing to do with God. And here the Lord says in, in this passage that throughout his interactions with these people for years and years, they never learned his ways. They saw his acts, but they never learned who he is and what, he, what pleases him and what is his will. Now, we know from those scriptures and others, for instance, in Hebrews 11, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. That alone is reason to pursue faith every day, Right? Because how many want to please God? And when you find out that one of the things that pleases Him is Him being able to bless you like He wants to. Mm -hmm. Right? 
that he's a father and he's a good father. And a good father delights in the well-being of their child. And, you know, Jesus talked about this. If you be an evil, know how to give good things, good gifts to your children. How much more will your father give good things to those that ask him? But uh, faith is not optional. It's a requirement. It, it, it's, it's something that has to happen or else wise he won't be pleased and his will won't be done in our life. So... He, he said, they never learned my ways. And it wasn't because they were unknowable or unlearnable. It's because they chose something else. Now this seems like, how could anybody choose not to know God? Billions are doing it today on the planet. They don't want to know Him. And you know, when I first started ministry, uh, some... 40 years ago, one of my favorite verses was over in Hosea that says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I thought, boy, that's it. People just don't know. People are just ignorant of light and truth. And so that's me being called to the ministry and Phyllis and I, that's our job. We got to let people know. We got to let people know. But several years into it, I began to realize that's not all there is to it. And I happened to read the rest of the verse. That's not the whole verse. Was it Hosea 4, 6? I think it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's not even the end of the sentence. It says, because you have rejected knowledge. That's why they were destroyed. Not just ignorance of it, but rejection when it came. And, and that is the case. Many people have heard about God. But they didn't want to know anymore. Many people have heard the whole gospel message. They decided they didn't like it. They ignored it. They didn't, they didn't respond. They didn't receive the Lord. Hadn't been back to church since. Don't care to know. They have rejected him. And he won't make you receive him. Are you glad, class, that you have received him? And are not blind and lost. Mm. And it is our job to be light. And to let people see the goodness of God in our lives. Even if they say they don't want it. They should be able to see it in our lives. And maybe they'll wake up and change their mind. Right before it's too late. But he said they, they haven't known my ways. And he warns, he says, verse 11, So I swear in my wrath that they will not enter into my rest. Now this happened over in Numbers 14. So you can go ahead and turn back there if you want to, and let's, let's remind ourselves of this. The next verse he had said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Now what we've done in this study uh, that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief is we've taken these events where these the first generation of Israelites chose to doubt God, chose to refuse Him, chose to reject Him, and there were ten major events leading up to the point where we read in Hebrews where He said, okay, you're not going in. What you said is going to happen to you. 
That didn't happen the first time or the second time or the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth or the seventh or the eighth or the ninth. And knowing God and his mercy, if they had repented after the tenth, things could have been different. We actually see, and we're going to study it, there were other events past the tenth one. There are five more events past that one. We're going to study those. But look again in Numbers 14, because this was the culmination of uh, what he's talking about in Hebrews 3. The first one was at the Red Sea. And then the second one was at the waters of Marah. What happened at the Red Sea is they feared, they were disrespectful, they said, we got to go back to Egypt. At Marah, they murmured and complained. At uh, the wilderness of Zin, more murmuring and complaining. Looking back, they kept on wanting to go back. And then uh, there was the manna test. He said, uh, don't save it. So what did they do? Saved it. Then he said, there won't be any on the Sabbath. Don't go to gather it. So what did they do? Went out to gather it. Now, I know it almost sounds humorous, but it ain't funny. They won't listen. And why is this in the Bible? Why is this recorded? And why are New Testament scriptures in Hebrews and 1 Corinthians warning us not to be like that? Because the nature of the flesh is selfish. And the influences of this world are pushing all of us to be defiant, to be rebellious. I mean little ones who've only learned a couple of words can get mad and look at you and go, no. See, something's influencing them. Something's pushing them. And people laugh and think it's funny. You won't think it's funny when they're 16. And God doesn't think it's funny now. Uh, people have romanticized rebellion. And I guess there's been all kind of, wasn't there a movie years ago, Rebel Without a Cause? And there's been this uh, coolness attached to defiance and breaking all the rules and won't listen to anybody going your own way and I did it my way. But friend, this stuff is devilish. The devil did it his way. Huh? And convinced others to follow him. And it means they're doomed. And you and I do not want to let that evil stuff infect us and influence us. Now, when it comes to the enemy stuff, yeah, we want to be defiant with the devil, right? We absolutely don't want to give in to him. We want to resist him. But that's what the Bible said, submit yourselves to God. Then it goes on to say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We got to get it right. A lot of people are submitting to the devil and resisting God. Got it backwards. No, we want to submit to God. No rebellion against God. No hard-headedness. No stubbornness. No slow to listen. No slow to believe. No arguing. 
Come on, everybody said out loud. No arguing with God. No arguing with His Word. No arguing with His Spirit. No, no arguing. No pulling against. No stubbornness. And the reason I say that is because the enemy is continually trying to influence, tempt, push you to do exactly that. To be defiant with God. But you don't have to be. So he said, don't save the manna. What'd they do? They saved it. Don't go out and gather on the Sabbath. What'd they do? They went out to gather. And the Lord kept saying, how long will it be till they decide to listen to me? And it kept on going. At Rephidim, strife and challenging God. At Sinai, um, rebellion. And you know, they, they made them an idol out of a gold calf. When what, less than two months earlier, they had stood out there and heard the voice of God. And one of the first things he said is, don't make any idols. And they said, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No idols. Two months later, they had made them some. See, this, this is not innocence. This is not innocent ignorance. This is a rebellious streak. This is a defiance. And the enemy, this is the nature of the enemy. He is the chief rebel against God. He instigated rebellion in heaven. He is the one who convinced Adam and Eve to disobey God and go against God. That is his continual thing. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And that's why throughout the whole earth you will find the spirit of disobedience. Ephesians talks about. And this defiance, we call it attitude, <laughs> right? You can't make me Nobody can make me. Well, God won't. But that can destroy you. It can absolutely keep you out of the blessings of God. It can keep you out of heaven. Now that is evil. No wonder he calls it evil heart of unbelief. Somebody say, by the grace of God, not me. At Tabera, at Kibroth, Hateva. And, and it culminated here in Numbers 14. Did you find it? Are you there? He sent them to spy out the land. And they took one person, the head of the 12 tribes, and they sent these 12 into Canaan land to check it out because none of them had ever seen it or had ever experienced anything about it. They knew what God told them, which was true. And among those two were uh, ahead of uh, the tribe of Judah was uh, Caleb. And then also the ahead of another tribe was Joshua. They were two of the twelve. And when they came back, um, they said, uh, you know, verse 13, 27, it's a, surely it flows with milk and honey. But they went on to say that the people were strong and the cities were walled. Caleb, verse 30, said, let's go up at once and, and, and get it, possess it. We're well able. But the men that went up with him said, we're not able. And they brought up an evil report. 
Chapter 14, verse 1, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And it did not move the Lord to feel sorry for them. It angered him. How many know there's a time not to cry? Huh? This crying and feeling sorry for yourself, it was actually a rebellious cry. See, people think every time somebody tears up, they need a hug. <laughs> this is not true. Sometimes people need to be reproved strongly. They, they need to dry their eyes. They got no reason to be crying. If they'd make the right choice and start believing God, they wouldn't act like that at all. They all cried and sobbed and felt sorry for themselves all through the night. And they murmured against Moses and Aaron. And they said, would God would have died in the land of Egypt? I wish I'd have just died over there. Or would God we had died in the wilderness? Now, remember we said uh, yesterday's session, there's an element of dishonesty in this unpersuadable unbelief. Do they really want to die in the wilderness? No, they don't. They keep talking about how they want to avoid it. Why don't they want to go in to possess the land? They're afraid of dying in battle, <laughs> right? Did they want to die in Egypt? No, they didn't want to die. They're dishonest. And they just, they just want to yield to these feelings. And they want somebody to pet them and feel sorry for them. And so do they need a hug and a pat on the back? No. No, they don't. They need to be reproved. They need to be corrected. And why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword and our wives and our children? Uh, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's make a captain and, and let's go back to Egypt. This is rebellion. This is, they already had leaders. God chosen leaders, right? And what they're saying is, no, we're getting rid of Moses and Aaron. And, see, they're getting rid of God. Unbelief is connected to this unpersuadable kind, is connected to stubbornness and rebellion. Do you remember what the, uh, the, the Lord said to Samuel when Saul didn't listen to the Lord? He said, uh, rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft or sorcery. And stubbornness is like idolatry. There's revelation there. What is idolatry? Idolatry is replacing God. Can you see that? You're replacing the living God, creator of the heavens and the earth, with a stupid rock. Right? Or some kind of statue, or some kind of something. You're replacing uh, the true living God with a false one. And what's the problem with divination? The King James says uh, um, rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Well, actually the word's not so much witchcraft as it is divination or sorcery. It'd be like reading tea leaves and anything of that nature that you're doing to try to discern the future or, or this kind of thing. 
Well, well, what's, what are you doing that? You're doing that instead of going to God. You're trying to eliminate God and replace God with this. Well, are there evil spirits that will accommodate you if you seek them and try to? Yeah, there are familiar spirits. And so you are replacing then the Holy Spirit whom the Lord gave us to lead us into the truth and bring things to our remembrance and show us things to come. No, you're going to have to uh, uh, read tea leaves and tarot cards and, and Ouija boards and whatever. No, that's evil. Can you see that? You are replacing God with his enemy's stuff. And he said that is what rebellion is. And and you know, praying to an idol instead of praying to God. He said, that's what stubbornness is. It's the same thing spiritually. You are rejecting God and replacing God. Can you see why Hebrews call this evil? This is evil. Evil means bad, wrong. This is evil stuff. Replacing God. And so you see, the whole congregation, this is some two million people or so, they're all in agreement. We got to get rid of Moses, we got to get rid of Aaron, we got to get us some new leadership, and we're going back to Egypt. Is that being unthankful? What did God have to do to get them out of Egypt? They would never have gotten out of Egypt, right? They'd been there for 400 years. They were, they were nowhere close to beginning to get free. And you can see how stubborn Pharaoh was. They're never letting them go. But they did. Is that right? Yes. Ten signs and wonders that nobody had ever heard of before. And even after that, Pharaoh led his armies to come get them. Take them back. And the Red Sea covered them all. Hallelujah. And after all of that, you're going to go back? Sit out loud. Back to bondage. Is that unreasonable? How foolish is that? And yet that is unbelief. See, unbelief doesn't have the confidence to go forward. If you don't have faith, you, you don't look forward. Unbelief says, oh, where's my blankie? Where's my, oh, it's scary over there. There's giants over there. We've never done that. Oh, no, I got to go back. I got to go back. Well, you will be a slave. You will be somebody's property. I know, but at least I know what it's like. But this angered the Lord. It really displeased him. They said, let's make us a captain. Let's go back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation because they knew this is not going to make the Lord happy. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, they tore their clothes. They knew, man, this is getting bad. And they said, the land is a good land. If the Lord delight in us, uh, he'll bring us in. Verse 9, are you there? Are you looking class? Only what? Rebel not. This is rebellion. I mean the whole bunch. 
is defying God. They are rising up in rebellion against the Lord. The Lord who did what to them? Who did what to them? Who you might say moved heaven and earth. Is that right? Did what no human being could do to get them out. What kind of plan did he have for them? Got a place picked out for you. It's beautiful. Flows with milk and honey. Vineyards you didn't plant. Orchards you didn't plant. Houses you didn't build. Wells you didn't dig. Sounds like a dream. What do they say? Now, we've got to go back to Egypt. Friend, this is the spirit of fear. The Bible talks about the spirit of faith and the spirit of fear. And boy, can you see it here with these. Can you hear the spirit of faith in Caleb and Joshua? Can you? You can hear it in the tone of their voice. You can see it in their response. What, they saw the same giants. These other guys did. They saw the same walls. They're not saying there's not something to deal with. But what are they saying? God's bigger than all that. I'm telling you, God's got us this far. He can get us the rest of the way in. Let's go. Let's do this thing. We can do it. It won't be long. We'll have our own places. We'll be free. We'll be landowners. Let's go. Somebody say spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. Spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. Right? Spirit of the overcomer. And where's your confidence? Not just in yourself, but in your God. He said, if God's with us, their defense has departed from them, we can do this. But can you hear the spirit of fear? Crying all night. Is that right? Feeling sorry for yourself. Saying, there's no way. There's no way. No, we can't. We got to go back. We got to go back to Egypt. We, We got to. We have to. We have to. And it's not just this innocent uh, weakness. No, see, they're, they're getting uh, militant about it. We're replacing leadership. We're picking new captains. Well, who picked the ones they got? <laughs> see, they're replacing not just Moses and Aaron. They're replacing God. And they're, they, they're, when they say we're going back to Egypt, they're going back to Egypt's gods as well. You find out they carried around these idols with them even out in the wilderness. They brought them from Egypt. Carried them around with them. And that's when the Lord said, verse 11, He said, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be before they believe me? For all the signs that, have, that I have shown them. And that is a legitimate question. They saw ten signs and wonders before they left Egypt. They've seen multiple. This is the tenth thing that's happened since they left Egypt. They've seen bread out of the sky, water out of the rock. How long? And the answer was, they never will. And he knew that. Which is why he said, well, you're going to get what you said. Nobody can make you. But how many say, I choose to? I choose to, said out loud class, I choose to trust my God. I will not rebel against my God. Hallelujah. Well, that's it for today. We're making good progress, but come back with us next week. 
We're going to get into more detail about this, and we're going to put ourselves far from rebellion. We'll see you soon in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702-7390.